Hey, welcome to another edition of Sports Beat KC. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and I'm here with Rustin Dodd, and we are here to talk about the Kansas basketball team, the Jayhawks, the newly minted number two team in the nation. Um, the, the AP poll came out today, and Kansas is up to number two in that poll. I always thought that the the, the wire sir, the, or the, the media poll was a little bit ahead of the coaches poll in terms of um, just sort of capturing the, the moment and I, I say that because in the coaches poll Kansas is seventh that's quite a disparity for a top 10 uh, for a team ranked in the top 10 but uh, uh, but it makes sense with um, uh, what UCLA beat Kentucky and, yeah. and Maryland lost to North Carolina okay so Kansas is coming off um, six point victory over Harvard. It was an interesting game because the Jayhawks had a 16-point lead in the first half, and next thing you know, it's tied. It's in the tied in the second half. What? Just take us through, Russell. How'd, how'd they get ahead so big, and then what happened? It was. I guess it was sort of an odd game for Kansas, um, just because they had to play with without Wayne Selden for most of the game. Um, he picked up two fouls in the in the first half, and then Bill Self brought him back in. And then later said he kind of wished he didn't, but he then he picked up the third foul in the in the the end of the first half, and then picked up a fourth foul early in the in the second half. So they were sort of playing without him, and then Perry Ellis did not play where play very well. They missed a lot of layups, and he sort of wasn't himself and hasn't been himself for the last uh, couple of weeks. I mean, not a couple of weeks, but at least the last couple of games since they get back from Maui. And um, and so I think the, they just didn't really have much inside presence. They're kind of similar to the Michigan State game. Uh, they didn't really have a lot of inside scoring, not a lot going on there. Um, you know, Frank Mason and Devontae Garam both played well, but uh, the rest of the offense, there wasn't much there. Um, and they kind of got beat up on the boards. I mean, if there was anything to be really concerned about, it was that Harvard out-rebounded them 39-31 and was up, I think, 21-12 to in the rebounding margin that at halftime. Um, so that kind of kept Harvard in the game, even though they were not playing, you know, great. But um, you know, it was—I don't know—it was sort of an interesting game because you, you would think after a game like this that Bill Self is going to come out and and really kind of rip his team and kind of mm. say, "Hey, we need to be better." All this sort of stuff. He sort of took a different tact. He said, "You know, they they missed some layups, and I think they were 13 of 25 from the free throw line." And you know, if, the, if you if those points go in, then it then it looks a little bit different. And the, he thought they actually played pretty well. I mean, they got the ball inside, which this is sort of the everlasting debate with KU basketball, is that this team doesn't really convert shots at the rim very well, but Bill Self loves easy shots at the rim. Um, so it's sort of this they're not, they're not going yeah. to stop trying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not going to stop pounding the ball inside. So, um, But, yeah, it was – it was not their best performance, and um, and and even against Loyola, they didn't play very well in the first half. So they, I think they have some some definitely some upside or some room to improve over the next week or two. Okay, a lot lot to get to there. Uh, let's start with let's start with Selden because we cannot have a podcast or a video or a story without talking about Wayne Selden. It's really he really has become the touchstone for this for this team. And I know earlier you and I talked. Uh, he had a poor game. Was it the Michigan? State game. Yeah, he didn't he play very did, well. Did play, he played poorly, and we just thought, oh no, he's, you know, he had the great summer, but he, you know, he didn't follow it up, and, and it's really going to cost him. Then, then he goes to Maui. Kansas goes to Maui, and was he the MVP? Was he, he the was MVP? co-MVP Co- with Frank Mason? Okay, so he had a terrific tournament yeah. in Maui, and and now, as you mentioned, he gets in foul trouble. He leaves the floor, and 
the Kansas, what happened? The personality changed. Something. I mean, he he proved he, he has proved in the last few weeks just how vital he seems to be to this team. Yeah, and, and I honestly think I mean he's shooting. Uh, he was shooting fifty-seven percent from three entering the game, and he. I think he was two of three, so he might be shooting above that now. But I mean, that's not going to continue. But at the moment, if anybody's shooting 58% from three point range, it's a pretty productive player. And I think he's been better. Um, I think more than anything, just the offense that he's provided from his shooting and, and some other things. You know, he still doesn't hasn't been great at getting the basket and but he has been a little bit more aggressive and uh, you know hasn't been turning the ball over like he has in the past and if he's going to continue to shoot even something you know like 45 percent or 40 percent or something like that that's which would be terrific yeah he's a, he'll be a productive player for them um i do think that if if they they've kind of have this identity where where frank mason and Devonte graham are are sort of the catalysts um, and Wayne Selden has sort of, I think, benefited from that, just being the sort of guy that gets the open shots when they're making plays. And they didn't have Brandon Green the other day, obviously, because he's still suspended. Um, Fee Mikhailuk didn't shoot very well. So I, I think, I mean, if they're going to have so much offense predicated on penetration and, and guys driving and, and, you know, guys getting high ball screens, that kind of stuff, like Selden's kind of the perfect guy to, to be in there to get those open shots, and he obviously wasn't in the game. So... I don't numbers wise he's he's putting up incredible offense, but I think he's getting so much of it just because Graham and, and Mason are, have been so good. Yeah, I think it was Kevin Stallings, the Vanderbilt coach, who yeah, said Selton has the easiest job in the yeah. world. He just uh, stands out uh, on the wing and, and waits for Graham and, and Mason to penetrate and kick it, and he's there for, and he's good enough to knock down yeah. uh, the open jumper. So, uh, you know, again, the, the rebounding totals, I think, were, as you said, I think that was the most troubling, one of the most troubling things, uh, 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 aspects of, of the Harvard game, and to be out-rebounded by eight, uh, with a team that supposedly improved its inside presence with the um, you know with, with the eligibility of Sheck Diallo and you know you've got Carlton Bragg and, and Ellis you've got we, we've talked about this as well the incredible number of front court players they have now and having to figure out the parcel out the minutes for these guys um, uh, I, I just don't think Kansas I don't think any team should out rebound Kansas uh, by by eight on their home floor um, you know much less an Ivy League team that was two and five coming into the game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a definite concern. I think it's more just, it's interesting kind of the puzzle of the front court, what it's going to look like in, over the next week or two. Um, Diallo played seven minutes against Harvard. Uh, they went with Landon Lucas because Bill Self said he liked his defense and the rebounding. Um, and, and he did kind of, he did grab eight rebounds in, I don't know, 24 minutes or something like that and was their leading rebounder. But it's sort of this puzzle of who's going to play and, and Bill Self has always played about four uh, post players he's never really deviated from that he's never really played more so you think it's going to kind of remain the same it'll they'll have to have you know some sort of rotation and um, it's but it's but it's interesting because you've got these young guys that they need to get minutes to develop but they also have these veterans that Bill Self trusts and he's going to do what he always does which is bring guys along slowly so um, yeah, it's just it's an interesting kind of dilemma. I was even thinking about this, and it's almost like something that's hard to wrap your head around. But it's like they need Diallo and Bragg to play more minutes to develop. Um, but their, you know, their veterans aren't playing very well, so they, the game was close. So so they didn't really want to you know put the young guys in. But it was the part of the reason the game was close is that their veterans weren't playing very well. Right, right. Um, so it's sort of a just sort of an interesting 
dilemma thing that Bill Self is going to have to sort through. What's your What's your guess on how it it'll shake out minutes wise and with the front court? What uh, Perry Ellis is going to get his yeah. twenty eight or whatever? Who, who's Who's two, three, and four in terms of minutes played? Does Diallo become a starter at some point? Yeah, I think I still think yeah. I think Diallo, if if you're projecting way ahead into maybe even conference conference play, maybe. play January, even maybe early February, you would. Ideally, if he's—I mean, if he's develops like he should—I think he's their best option in terms of somebody to pair with Ellis. Where it gets sort of complicated with me is I, I thought Carlton Bragg was going to get squeezed a little bit just because of Bill Self's, you know, tendency to to lean towards veteran guys, and and Bragg brings a lot of the stuff that Ellis does. But Bragg has has been pretty good, and Bill Self has said that he's kind of been you know their best freshman and I think he's more ready to play right now than Diallo is he just he brings different things um so I think both those guys by February are, are going to be in the rotation and that sort of is where it gets complicated because you've got Jamari Trailer who Bill Self loves to play because of the energy and the toughness and all the things that he really likes but then he's another undersized four so then you're playing Bragg and Ellis and Trailer that's where it gets complicated I, I've always thought that you would probably have kind of Lucas as the the backup center, and then you would have either Trailer as Bragg as kind of the backup power forward. Um, and maybe it'll still be that way, but that it does seem a little kind of crowded in there when you know maybe either Trailer or Bragg is not going to play as many minutes. We know one thing that'll happen in the in the next game, which is Wednesday night against Holy Cross, is that. Um, a Holy Cross player will not dunk on Kansas. Um, we know that because Bill Self was adamant about uh, the Harvard player who dunked, and I think he made a point after the game that uh, among the Kansas front court, they have 30 fouls. Yeah, they have 30 fouls to give, and um, somebody better use one on a big guy going to the basket. And I, I th- actually, you know, it, it was a, it was a good line. I thought kind of a little bit of a ha ha myself. But I think that's a really good point. I mean, if you're Mikkel, if you're Hunter Mikkel, Mickelson or Landon Lucas. Jamari Trailer, even um, you know what they need? They need that physical presence on the floor in the front court. Perry Ellis isn't that kind of guy, yeah. and Sheck Diallo will be that kind of guy, I think. But he's raw and he's still in a kind of a formative stage. And Car- and Bragg seems to be, you know, at least in the first what seven eight games, better away from the basket than than at the basket. He's got a great jumper. So I kind of see Mickelson and Trailer and Lucas as being almost enforcer type guys be tough at the basket and uh, I kind of think that's what the challenge in practice after Harvard was for KU yeah it was a good line I think it was directed mostly towards Perry Ellis because I mean if you look at it's sort of interesting because I was thinking about how Perry kind of is constantly very much like Wayne Selden is sort of scrutinized even though when he plays pretty well I think he had 15 against Loyola and he had 12 the other day and and it's sort of like he's in this mini slump yeah you why, know? Why, why isn't it more yeah yeah and but I think more more to Bill Self's point was that I don't think he's liked sort of the the energy that Perry has played with and maybe some of the 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 toughness elements and I think that was kind of pointed towards him um letting that guy dunk on him but it it, it is true I mean I think you have you have Lucas and Mickelson, guys you can throw in there and and add some of that too. And, and when you have all these guys, it is it is odd that they're not rebounding the ball better. All right, so we've got uh, the two games this week for Kansas. They play Wednesday, as I said, against Holy Cross, which, by the way, a little piece of trivia for you. They Name name the schools on Kansas' non-conference schedule that have won national championships. Well, we know Kentucky. Uh, we know UCLA. 
And you know, Michigan, I guess UNLV was, didn't Michigan, play them, ended up playing them. But. Right, Michigan State, yeah. right? Holy Cross, the uh, 1947 NCAA champion with a freshman guard named Bob Cousy coming into to Allen Fieldhouse this week and has played Harvard already. And had, I, I can't remember if they won, but it was a one-point game. It was like a low-scoring one-point game. So Holy Cross beat Harvard. They, beat them beat yeah. by one. And so I, I think that's uh, that, that should get attention in, in Kansas practice this week, that the team coming into you know to Allen Fieldhouse gave Harvard fits and just as Harvard gave KU fits coached by Bill Carmody who was the yeah. Northwestern coach for for quite a long time also uh, coached Chris Young newly signed Royals pitcher how about Christian. that yeah that's exactly his, his, his yeah, exactly so um, uh, you know so this will be the second straight opponent that comes in a well-coached team and will you know the, the, maybe if the players aren't in you know if the players are a little bit intimidated by the the surround it, you, you know it's going to be a well-coached team that'll have a plan, a good game plan against Kansas. I, I suspect Holy Cross will try to slow slow it down and gum it up a little bit. And I think if they're smart, that's what they would try to do. And I think that's what all you know non-conference opponents that expect to be overwhelmed at Allen Fieldhouse should do. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it'll be sort of a similar. Well, maybe the result won't be similar, but the. The strategy will be similar to Harvard. I mean, they have a, a template of a probably a similar team with similar personnel to what they did. Um, Harvard did have some some bigger guys. I don't know if Holy Cross. I still need to look at some of their guys. See, if they have any you know true center types that they can throw at Kansas. But Harvard did have one kind of six nine six ten guy who actually was like a former top seventy five recruit who wow. was um, was a pretty nice player, but. And we'll see if Holy Cross has anybody like that. I know on Twitter, in, in the Twitter Twitter sphere, if I can get that right, um, on Saturday during the game, a lot of people were were liking the the Harvard push in the second half and saying it felt like a second round NCAA tournament game. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. Chance, not, not, chances, it's not chances are. Kansas ain't playing a second-round NCAA tournament game in Allen Fieldhouse, and um, uh, and they're probably playing an eight-nine. I don't see Harvard as an eight-nine, as an eight-nine or, or a seven-ten. But the intensity of the game and, and the you know and, and an opponent actually having a good uh, plan of attack against Kansas, I thought was it's the type of thing that can serve Kansas well down the stretch. And uh, again, uh, a well-coached team on Saturday. Oregon State comes to Kansas City. It's a Sprint Center game, um, and I, Oregon State's off to a good start. I think I looked; they were seven and one going into the week. And uh, just look at the schedule. There's, it seems like the season just started for Kansas, but this is the first. Holy Cross is the first of just five non-conference games remaining before league play starts in early January. And so, what what does Kansas need to get out of the non-conference besides winning them all? Since they're all, correct me if I'm wrong, they're all either in Kansas City or in Lawrence. And then they oh, go no, to San, San Diego, Diego State. State. They're on at the San Diego. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, what besides winning them all for Kansas? What uh, you, do you think the development of the of the front court? Uh, they just it's they're going to get Brandon Green back at some point. What, what what needs to happen over the next two or three weeks for KU? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think solidifying their rotation and, and giving Diallo maybe some time to to get some minutes, whether that's in blowouts or just as part of the rotation. I mean, he's played two games and. Bill Self said this a, a bunch during the during the kind of the first month about talking about how raw he was, but just how he missed those exhibition games even, and he just didn't really have a chance to sort of play through his mistakes as the the line Bill Self kept using. So I don't know if if you know if the game against Harvard if it would have been you know a twenty point game if he plays Diallo more, I would tend to think yes, but but who knows? But 
I just think um, you know getting him more time to get acclimated um, will be big in sorting through that front court puzzle and obviously introducing Green back to the back to the rotation in some facet will be will be interesting. Svi hasn't been shooting very well lately, so it would be interesting to see if Green could push him a little bit in the in the guard rotation, but. Um, but seemed to go to the basket well against Harvard. Yeah, he's, he's been, did. yeah and he, he offers – I don't know that he's been guarding great either. I don't know if Bill Self's been happy with that either. But I do think overall he offers a little bit more just an all-around presence than, than Green does. But um, more than anything, I guess just staying healthy and um, getting kind of ready for conference play. I mean, the Big 12 was – He's going to be another meat grinder. Yeah, um, and we were talking. We, we opened this by talking about the the, the AP poll and the wire and the wire service polls. Um, Kansas is second in the AP, but Iowa State's second in the coaches' poll, and um, Oklahoma's in the top ten in both. West Virginia's moved up; they're they're in the top fifteen, I think. So, uh, Kansas State has been yeah. really impressive so far in the you know in the, in this part of the the, the non conference part of the schedule with the the one loss to North Carolina. That's it. Uh, that win at Georgia f- last week for. Kansas State uh, was was really impressive, so I think that's a team that you, you look at as being uh, much better than, than than everybody expected going into the season. Uh, you're right. I, I think it's just Baylor beat Vanderbilt just coming yeah. off the Vanderbilt win this weekend. So another, I think, vintage you know solid year for for the Big Twelve and during the regular season. You know, we'll talk in March about how the yeah. Big Twelve will do in you know in the NCAA tournament, but already some really good non-conference victories, and it's reflective in the polls. So. Uh, let's um, uh, uh, we'll, we'll follow the Jayhawks uh, in, in in the Kansas City Star online at KansasCity.com and thank you, Rustin Dodd, for um, uh, for being here today. And this is Sports Beat KC, uh, the podcast of the Kansas City Star.